Hey, welcome to Curly Questions. This is a space where we shake things up to explore the perceptions, mindsets and biases that we breathe every day and hardly even think about. Questions that stop us in our tracks and urge us to probe a little more each time. Maybe you'll find some answers, or maybe you'll end up walking away with even more Curly Questions, which is great. So, stay tuned and get Curly. I don't believe we have a purpose. We have many purposes. Hey, this is Lee, and you're listening to Curly Questions Podcast, a show with no straight answer. Think we'll sort out your purpose in life with a trip to Bali? Well, in today's episode, we're going to take that apart with Michael from Vinomorpho. More than just a business, in fact, it's a movement that unites people with the love of wine. So over to Michael to give us a spill about his adventure called life. Hey. Hey, Michael, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. <laughs> so tell us about yourself. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, okay, so I've got a glass of wine in my hand at the moment, uh, which is probably a good way to introduce one of the things that I'm very passionate about and that I enjoy greatly, which is good wine. You know, uh, when we're sitting here in the offices, uh, one of the one of the offices um, uh, at Vinomofo, which is a company that yeah. that I work with, and we we sell wine. You know, and we. And we do so because we love to connect people through the experience of, of sharing great wine. And so, you know, for me, there's some key things that are important in my life. And one is the connections I have with people. And um, wine provides a pretty good opportunity to meet good people and have some really cool conversations. So a little bit about myself. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's, I guess that's a, that, that, that's, that's, we'll start with, we'll start with wine and we'll go from there. Great, go for it. <laughs> I guess, yeah, wine is, you know, for me, it's all about connections and, um, yeah, and people. You know, I've always been fascinated by people and, and why we do what we do. Yeah. Personal development has always been a, a real feature of, of my life and mm-hmm. something that I've done and something that I've sort of explored in various sort of roles and, and careers. It's been part of the, the work I do as well mm-hmm. as a teacher. And working in my role here, which is head of people and culture, very much about helping to identify what works and what doesn't work when you know when bringing the best out in, in people mm. how do you do that like how do you find out what works it's, it's oh, quite wow. tough isn't it how do you do it yeah oh man I don't I th- you know uh, if there was a simple answer to that question then I think it'd all be every workplace would be a great place to work and we'd all just be getting on doing what we're really great at with other people who are aligned with what we're doing so it's not an easy question to answer because we're human beings and we're pretty complicated and we're pretty complex when you add a few of us together it becomes you know infinitely complicated and complex but I think it's you know in the context of a workplace or a context of a company Mm -hmm. identifying what it is that you really want to be doing what do you stand for as a company is a good place to start aligning people to to what that what that mission is or not aligning people but being clear what that is and then encouraging and providing opportunities for people who are aligned to that mission to come and work with you and and do great work that's the sort of big picture and then on a more sort of micro level it's just about having some self-awareness and some empathy for others and understanding yourself and other people I think is really important um, mm. to look beyond sort of, you know, what's going on, look beyond the, oh man, the, some of the superficial kind of ways in which we understand each other. Just to come back to basics, I think a lot of the time for me that's good reminder just to come back to what is pretty fundamental about what works for us as human beings and, you know, and stay focused on those things. Yeah. 
I, I guess in that respect, I think we all are here for a reason. And sometimes, you know, we say that we are purpose-filled beings. And a lot of people say that, uh, let's go and try to find our purpose. And we, you spoke about purpose in some of your LinkedIn articles. And really, do we have a purpose? And is it just something that you can find, you know, when you go on a sabbatical <laughs> to Bali for a month and like, hey, I come back for a purpose, I'm ready to rock the world. Mm. So love to get a take on it. Ah, man, it's a tricky one. I think the, I'll preface this answer by saying it's different for everyone and necessarily so as well. Oh man, there's so many layers to this and there's so many beliefs that will influence your understanding of your purpose or the reason why you're here and their their cultural beliefs they're f- like they're family influenced mm-hmm. they're religious they're contextual and you know we've mm-hmm. we all grow up in com- very different environments and so you know what we think we're here for and what our purpose is inevitably going to be influenced by those factors and i guess different people are held to identify and find or pursue that purpose in in different ways and to varying degrees as well and so you know i think i did write an article i think the title was don't worry about finding your purpose and the reason i wrote that and the reason i sort of believe that is because it feels like there's a lot of pressure to find the meaning of your life and your purpose here on this planet and then go and do something about it go and live it out and make it come to life and that's a lot of pressure i just don't think that that's how most humans work i don't think many of us have an epiphany one day where there's this purpose is revealed to you and then you go and do it and probably ever after i just don't think it works like that but it does feel like there's a pressure to find that thing that you know you're meant to be doing instead i think the the question is more the search and the seeking or the just being curious about what it is we're doing and why we're doing it i think that's more important and i think you know, it is semantics and it means different things to different people. But for me, the idea of having one singular career or purpose places a lot of pressure on people. And I think we miss the point, you know, sometimes we can get fixated on a mission. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it does limit your opportunity for discovering things that you aren't so sure about you know and being uncertain about what the hell we're doing here and why we're doing it and i think that uncertainty and that discomfort is a really healthy and normal and natural feeling that compels or certainly compelled me to search for more search for better questions and answers and be less hung up on the answer and just keep finding better questions you know and so and the more i've let go of finding what that thing is the more i've just been happy and fulfilled and satisfied and i guess the in hindsight if there was ever a purpose it's being revealed through the search so yeah it's i don't know i just think there's a lot of pressure on people to you know find their purpose and create a business out of it and you know change the world you know before you turn 30 and then retire (laughs) you know i just (laughs) yeah i know i'm a i'm sort of playing a bit of catch up but I've kind of given up on that and I'm just trying to just get back to what feels good and uh, just be guided by that. Because yeah. I think if, I mean, you can call that a purpose, right? So that'll do for me for the time being. Yeah, sounds like it's more like a journey than a destination. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think on that note about purpose, I think, I mean, my background, I came from Singapore and most of us have the purpose like work in a bank, mm-hmm. earn big bucks, retire in 30 years and then get rotten after that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really our purpose. Like, just earn money so that you can retire. Mm-hmm. But is the purpose to retire 
or is the purpose to have a decent lifestyle where you feel like you're empowered, you have choices? I think coming from that country, sometimes I get a bit confused myself. Like, oh, I need to get more money. And whenever I go back, I have my friends asking me, what have you been doing? Why aren't you in the bank anymore? I'm like, I wanted to try different industry. I've been in banks. I've been in energy. I've been in other places. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's, you know, that's pretty typical of everybody who starts asking this question. You, you look at the cultural context in which you grew up and you start challenging all these beliefs and assumptions that others have of you, about you, and what it makes a successful life or, you know, career. And, and you sort of go, I don't even know if that really is my measure for happiness. And it's actually not. So, you know, then it becomes a process of undoing you know, or getting back to who you are without all of the conditioning that we, Mm -hmm. that we've been brought up with. So yeah, you know, and I think that in and of itself can feel like, like that experience can feel like you can be really displaced because it's like, well, I don't value that, which my family and friends and and community and culture do. And you can feel like an outsider and you can feel uncomfortable about that. But I don't know, I think that's, we need to sort of embrace that. Yeah. uncomfortable experience a bit more yeah I think also because it's the meaning that we put to life I mean in, in my case it's we always have to have a plan not a mm. plan A but a plan B mm. if not a plan B a plan C mm. and the meaning that we make out of it is we, are, we must always be prepared and I think on that note you mentioned about you know the meaning that we give ourselves mm. and how do we actually unpick the meaning that we prescribe in life mm. somehow from our parents from our cultural background it would be interesting to hear your view about that yeah well I believe that the only meaning anything has is that which we give it. And, uh, you know, if we talk sort of fully philosophical and metaphysical, uh, you know, uh, the experience that we have of our reality is just so densely layered by assumptions and beliefs that empirically and universally true. They are created by us to provide a sense of meaning which provides a sense of familiarity and security and safety because you know if we start to challenge some of these fundamental things that we believe in then we start to get a little bit uncomfortable and we don't like that feeling of uncomfortable so we try and create certainty around the things that we experience and so realizing that what i knew or thought i knew or took for granted as being true is up for grabs yeah what do you previously know that you think that is up for grabs? Like what are the common things that you see in yourself or in Australia that you think are just stereotypes, perceptions, biases that are very common in everyday's life? Uh, look, I think rather than sort of refer to specific examples, I think for me, just challenging what I, mm. just challenging what I think yep. and challenging how I think and challenging what I believe mm-hmm. and asking is whether it's right or wrong or true or not. Does it feel good? Does it feel like it's the right thing to do? So in the context of relationships, for example, whether it be a romantic, like with a partner or family or work colleagues or or whatever, you know, it's very easy to be right and righteous and defend a position based on that. You did this. You said that. That's wrong. I'm right. I'm hurt. Therefore, we've got a problem and you need to... fix it or I'm just going to stay really fucking pissed off and unhappy and and that's your problem and it, well, it's my problem because you made me feel this way I find that to be really um, there's nowhere to really go in terms of mm. it always feels like a battle or tension so instead to just step back and remove your uh, what I try and do and I'm really just not I'm really not particularly good at this but um, <laughs> try and remove myself my assumptions my beliefs my projections and judgments from 
the situation and go, all right, this situation is making me feel that particular way. Mm-hmm. What can I do about that to change how I feel? And a lot of it is about just letting go of judgments, mm-hmm. letting go of hurt and the projection that comes from that to protect ourselves. And so it's really just a peeling back of all these layers of, um, of judgment. And it's hard to do because it reveals your vulnerability and nobody wants to feel vulnerable because they feel, think you're going to get hurt and taken advantage of. That's what happened. You know, when we're kids, we, we, we had this emotional trauma for whatever, you know, it, might, it could be something as, you know, kind of benign as a, a comment from a sibling or a parent or someone who says something makes you feel a certain way and then you have this emotional response and, and you don't know how to understand it as a kid but you then just make it mean something and then yeah. you layer all the other things that or you know experiences that reinforce that onto that and then suddenly you have this belief that your hurt is justified or the way in which you react is justified because you know you want to protect yourself so i don't know i think that's just a i guess a bit of a, a big picture kind of intention of of mine to just challenge how i you know yeah. like what i think yeah and it's a lot of um, the baggage from the past like you mm-hmm. say from childhood what your parents say to you what your teachers say to you you're like you can't do this because of that and then when you grow up you're like i can't do this because i don't remember that because i was taught that way when i was young yeah. but somehow a mechanism in myself just kick in like i can't do this yep. but i can't remember what's the origin of that mechanism yeah it's really interesting hey I think the like the origin of that is less it doesn't actually matter so much as it does that you identify it mm-hmm. because to find out the root cause of that or the, mm-hmm. the root trigger it doesn't matter anymore um, and that's sort of finding an answer you know what's interesting in that situation is to go well why do I why can't I or why won't I or why yeah. why shouldn't I do that thing that I'm so just challenging y- yourself and just keep asking like I just keep asking why and why not? Yeah, I guess in this case, your question frames the way you see a solution. Mm-hmm. Like you're asking a very general question, why is it like that? But not the question like, why am I not good enough, for example? Because there's a skewed question that brings mm. you to the wrong answer and you bring out to rabbit hole, in that sense. If you keep asking that question, though, you probably get to a point where there is no answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you keep asking, why am I not good enough? You might say, for this reason, that reason, the other reason. It's like, well, why do you believe that well for this reason that reason that reason well why is that true mm-hmm. well and for this reason that reason the other it's like is that true well yeah and yeah. why is it so I, I reckon you'd get to a point yeah. you know like there's a, a technique of just art like you know five whys is a good technique to yeah. sort of figure out actually what is really mm-hmm. the reason why why yeah. uh, and more often than not you get to a point where it's like well oh it actually isn't really a really good reason why not mm-hmm. so i don't know i get excited about challenging beliefs because it opens up possibilities yeah. and potential and it's shit scary though because yeah. then you've got no reason why you can't do that thing that you always wanted to do that you'd always felt like you couldn't for some ridiculous reason yeah i think when we unpick all this belief you tend to get out the courage i mean like for myself I didn't like to speak because coming from an environment like Singapore, we just work. We don't really talk. We are not conversational that way. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to challenge myself and try to do a podcast just so I could slow down the way I speak. Yeah. And I'm still trying to do that. And I'm telling myself, that's okay. If people doesn't understand me, I will repeat myself again just mm. so they understand me. And because the question that I tell myself is, how do I improve the way I speak such that I get understood? So good. And here we are having a podcast. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love it. That's, that's really cool. You spoke about challenging beliefs and all that. So can we also go down the area around the beliefs that you, know, that you challenge? Or you know, how do you get to that space? Tell us a bit about your journey as well. Ah, uh, okay. 
Um, I've always just kind of never f- quite felt right. <laughs> I've never been. I've never felt quite right. People have probably said you're not quite right too, so it sort of makes sense. But I've always, I don't know. I've never felt. Even, even as a kid, I was talking to a friend a couple of nights ago about this. When I was at school, like, you know, I used to stay back at, in the library and, and just read books on... And this was like at a, you know, this is before the internet. It was yeah. before Google. It was before... And we had, and had to go to an encyclopedia to learn something. So I would go to the library and just find books uh, that were about sort of UFOs and kind of unexplained events like Ripley's, not Ripley's, believe it or not, but there was like, I was fascinated by like, yeah. never forget this picture's burned into my, it's quite inappropriate um, pun, but was burned into my mind of this, you know, this woman who'd sort of self-combusted apparently in front of the, you know, in a lounge chair and there's like a pair of shoes left. I'm like, what, that's, how does that even happen? So all this kind of esoteric stuff and these weird things that were, I was just fascinated by that as a kid and terrified by it as well but I always just kind of felt like there was just more going on that I just didn't know about and then when I finished high school I went and studied philosophy and my mate like, I studied philosophy of science and epistemology and metaphysics and anthropology and sociology and studies in you know in religion and I just wanted to learn yeah. about stuff that I didn't know about because everything else that I saw around me was just wasn't pretty not yeah. particularly interesting mm-hmm. you know like Friends would be going to study law or economics or whatever they were doing, and they seemed pretty clear on what they wanted to do with their lives. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to, like, I want to learn more about stuff I don't know about because I've got all these questions. I don't know. So I've always been an quest- asker of questions and never felt quite satisfied with what I saw and experienced. Now, coupled with that was a pretty, like at the time, was pretty low. Uh, self-esteem so I didn't really feel like I I didn't have a lot of confidence and so I was pretty self-destructive in in terms of how I treated myself you know that sort of took me down a bit of a rabbit hole of you know trying to figure out why I'm feeling the way in which I'm feeling stuff so all these I just had lots of questions I couldn't stop asking them so it just kind of led me to doing things that were pretty extreme. I did a lot of rock climbing at the time, and oh. I, I was a climbing instructor for a couple of years, and then I worked in the outdoors with kids, taking kids on on adventure-based sort of learning experiences. I worked for the education department in Queensland as a behavioural specialist with kids who had been expelled from school and stuff, and, you know, took them out abseiling and challenging you know their sort of their beliefs and stuff so I've always kind of just been involved in that sort of thing and then I was a teacher for 10 years and traveled a lot took groups overseas on leadership development expeditions and just always loved the kind of extremities of life whether they be physical or sort of mental the I guess the the middle always was a little bit boring for me so (laughs) you know and I do, there is some balance in between the two sort of extremes of a lot of self-loathing and self-destruction and this real kind of euphoria that comes from these peak experiences. So somewhere in the middle there, I've found some balance and trying to make sense of it all. But that's sort of really just been what I've been doing most of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it's a lot of like different experiences, different rich experiences and a lot of turbulence and confusion. Yeah, It sort of led you to realise that hey, you know, things doesn't always have to be this way just because they have been this way all the time and it grew the self-awareness in you as well. Mm. Yeah, I've got to learn. I've got to f- just try things. If someone someone says it's a really bad idea, yeah. I'll probably go and do it. Um, <laughs> and I'll do it knowing that it's a bad idea, but I just kind of like to just try things for myself. Right. And I'm not consistent. I don't, mm. you know, and I've never really seen a lot of things through. Yeah. 
and I'm okay with that. Something I've learned over the years as well is that, you know, I've not been consistent in my in what I do, but I've certainly been consistent in my approach to it. So mm. in career and, and work, I was at the same school teaching for, you know, sort of seven, eight years. So that was pretty consistent. But I don't know, like I've always, I just get bored pretty easily yeah. and I'm, I'm excited by lots of different things yeah. and I want to go and try all the things and, mm-hmm. you know, I've learned to embrace that as an adult and use that as a you know as a skill and a strength as opposed to something that I think perhaps when I was a bit younger I would see as being you know a bit inconsistent a bit irresponsible need to sort your shit out settle down and see something through it I'm like why would I do that if I'm not enjoying it yeah exactly so um yeah I kind of like where I've sort of landed with that and sort of really embracing that yeah Sounds like um, being consistent is one of the beliefs that we, we hold true to our, mm. ourselves. But really, do we need to be consistent just because people are being consistent previously? Just because that's the way people operate and therefore we should follow suit. But not everybody follows the same path, right? Really so. good point. And the really important thing to acknowledge is that everybody is different. And, you know, we see ideals of success or, you know, people you know who we buy to be or look up to and emulate... Uh, but we are different and you know there are people you know a lot I've learned a lot about those differences just through studying people and human behavior over you know over all the various things I've done and it's like you, you don't need to study anything to know that people are different yeah. right it's just obvious but we tend to still conform a lot of us and I've been guilty of this wasted a lot of time trying to conform to what I thought was a and mm-hmm. you know an ideal of success or yeah and it's just not there are people who are really consistent and who just love that yeah. and really just thrive on that safety and security of like knowing what they're doing and how they're going to do it and planning you know and, and then there are people who aren't, don't and they're both right and then I think the what's really sad is when anybody acts or lives you know contrary to what it is that they you know who they truly are yeah because they think they should that's a shame I think in that respect right I think sometimes the media also play a part in shaping our beliefs like for example in today's society you see people like Mark Zuckerberg like mm-hmm. oh you know under 30 entrepreneur mm-hmm. built a software really big tech giant and mm-hmm. like and then you see the entire wave of startup like we need to be like that we need to build an AI machine that can actually do all the shit but like totally. really <laughs> totally yeah I think there's always been that pressure but Jesus it's really accentuated yeah. and sort of magnified and amplified via social media that's right whether it be Facebook Instagram's huge now I mean back in the day uh, I sound like an old man which I am but back in the day, you know, the influencers were people that were featured in magazines or on television or, uh, you know, actors on film. These days, literally, influencers are anyone, yeah. you know, with an Instagram following. And like some, I just think we don't stop and question enough mm-hmm. why we are being influenced mm-hmm. or why we are allowing ourselves to be influenced by people. Yeah. And there's a difference between in- engaging in content that's good to watch. Yeah. You know, that's either well-produced or by a personality that you resonate with and you mm-hmm. like watching. And then just trying to be like them, it's like, just ridiculous. And I don't think we stop and question why we're being so influenced or why we're allowing ourselves to be so influenced enough. There is a flip side to that, which I do want to acknowledge. 
because social media does get a bad rap a lot of the time. It's like social media is fucking ruining, anything, ruining yeah. everything. It's just not true. It's yeah. what you choose to see and take from it because social media has enabled people with you know diverse beliefs and voices and some really positive messages to be seen and heard at scale as well. Mm-hmm. So there's you know there's some good, really positive yeah. people having a really positive influence mm-hmm. by leveraging the reach that they have on on social so it there's there's that as well but it's just a case of just i don't know i think just to be really careful about who you're holding up to be a a role model and start and question that because it's pretty shady yeah i think it's really hard i mean like you need to be really careful about who and where you give your attention and your time to because Mm -hmm. you really have like how many hours of being awake mm. other than 8 hours of sleeping you need the rest of the hours are just spending awake and really 8 hours being focused on something and you want to be really careful where you spend the time on as well yeah for sure and you know even just with social media I've become far too dependent and addicted to my phone so much to the point now where I just have a ritual in the morning where I'm there's some think key things that I do to set myself up for the day on my terms before I even check the phone, which sounds kind of crazy. It's like, well, that's probably a very normal and healthy thing to do. But I really don't think it, well, it wasn't part of my, it wasn't normal for me. And it certainly isn't normal for a lot of people. I think, I think so. the last, and I'm really embarrassed about this, but, and I'm conscious of changing this, but the last thing I do before I go to bed often is, you know, set my alarm, but I'll have a quick little scroll and see what's going on. And then it used to be the first thing I would do in the morning, turn the alarm off. Yeah. Before I'd even like wipe the sleep out of my eyes, is just kind of check messages and notifications. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And then the whole day is just interrupted by notifications. And it's like, this, this is, this, we're allowing this device to drive our, you know, yeah. to, to find our experience. And, that's um that's a waste you know there's some really cool people doing some great uh, some work around awareness of you know yeah. social media usage and addiction and it's a good question to good yeah it's a really interesting place to kind of explore at the moment because it's really insidious yeah and I mean being a product manager they always say that when you build a good product you build a good habit mm. so people get into the habit oh yeah with your product oh mate this thing's, this thing's like crack cocaine <laughs> not that I've ever been addicted to that but I certainly have been addicted to my phone uh, it's so normalized if it more you know physically and, and socially destructive like a drug like an illicit drug or even alcohol you know there'd be regulations around its usage but what this is doing to our habits and our behavior and our focus and our awareness and our attention on each other or drawing our attention away from ourselves and from each other yeah it's pretty scary yeah and I think in that respect you also add a meaning to our life as well like it's a good meaning and bad meaning like you mentioned you know, it's mm. always a double-edged sword so um, it's how you, it's, the thing is about how you use it right yes, and, and it's being conscious it. of using it yeah. instead of it using you and when you when it's a subconscious or oh, I'm just gonna I'm just not even thinking about it I mean I'm sitting in traffic and it happens you know or I'll be on the tram or I'll be you know I'll, I'll be waiting in line and I'll have like literally 30 seconds yeah. I'll just like flick through and go oh there's a thing and yeah. so instead of using it um, we tend to allow it to use us yeah I actually admit it I'm quite ashamed to say that sometimes instead of reading my book that I have in my bag I end up checking Facebook or Twitter mm. 
Mm. I'm like, oh, I should really read a book because I just want to get some knowledge. But in the end, I end up reading Twitter about who is tweeting what and about Trump and all that. I'm like, oh, no, not again. Doesn't it change your mind? I feel like I'm a, you know, when, when I do that, and perhaps it's the same experience for you, mm-hmm. you just feel like you're just being pulled in so many different directions. You read a tweet from Trump, you know, and you're like, oh, fuck, what the yeah. wrong, what, how, how, how are we going to survive this? And then, um, and then you'll read yeah. something else. And be pop- So you feel like you're just being yes. pulled in so many different directions. Yes, and sometimes it's a bit negative as well. You know, like you see this kind of negative news that's coming out, like, oh, what does it really mean? And everyone is writing everything. And that's why it's getting pulled and it's so confusing, right? And then at work, you're really confused sometimes. Mm. And then when you're out in the open, you get confused because you're reading all your Facebook, your social media as well. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's, that's really a hard one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah just, we just need to be aware of it. Just need to be conscious of it. And um, just turn the phone off for a bit every now and then. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think I try to adopt what you do as well in the morning by not checking the phone, which most of the time I don't manage to do that. Mm. I try to take three deep breaths in the morning, but most of the time I'm like, oh, let's just check the Twitter first because there's a notification that came through once I yeah. turn on the Wi-Fi. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to try it again. And each time I try to get a habit through, I always fall short after two days. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think the morning... Well, for me, it's been really valuable. And I notice how different my experience of the day is when I do it and when I don't. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Cool. Wow. Sounds like it's been quite a night. And I think the next thing that we need to do is really to switch off our phone, get off the website, even go, get off Curly Questions podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait until we finish, though. And then you can download the next episode and, and have that one queued up for when you, when you have gone through your morning routine. But um, yeah, you know, I think this is a good example of, you know, this, this podcast and the content is, for me at least, the kind of stuff I do want to engage in on, on social as opposed to just shit that I don't care about. Yeah, things that you put close to your heart. I'm just so, you know, bombarded by. So yeah, no, I think we should definitely not turn the phone off uh, just yet. Yeah, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, all right. Yeah, I just want to say thanks everyone for listening and also thanks to Michael for sharing his insights on all things about purpose and really the meaning of life. I think before we end the night, I'd like to have you to give a little shout out if you like. Um, anything that's happening across the weeks, anything they like the listener to be going to, any websites or any conference that you will be in? Yeah, sure. When are we going to be publishing this? Um, just about one week from now. Oh, sweet. Okay, so in two weeks, um, there's a great conference called The Thriving Workplace that is happening in Sydney. It's on the ooh, second or third, second and third of August. Uh, I'll be involved in that, which is really cool. Just a good bunch of people getting together talking about what it means to create a thriving workplace. And then in uh, mid-August, there's an event happening called Work Life X, which is about how to create a healthy work-life balance and what the fuck does that mean anyway? So um, that's over a Friday and Saturday. That's a really cool discussion as well. So there's some really good things happening, good people having good conversations. There's always really um, cool stuff happening in this space. You can follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram, which is probably where I'm most active and always up for having conversations and digging a little bit deeper with this stuff. If anyone's getting in touch, I'd love to... Um, yeah, love to love to chat. Cool, great. And thank you for two reasons. Um, one for having this conversation and having the courage to challenge yourself and in a way that perhaps might not be so familiar to you in hosting this podcast and asking good questions. These are the sorts of questions that normally come out towards the end of a interview after a few wines. We've only had one glass, all right? So we're doing all right. 
and for bringing along this beautiful gift, which was, for those of you obviously you can't see it, nor can you smell it, but it's a beautiful scented candle that uh, you provide as a gift. There's, what I love about that is that it's, it's homemade. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, and there's a lot of a love that's gone into that. So these are the tangible things that mean, that mean a lot. So thank you. Ooh, no worries. I'll be enjoying it as well. I will, for sure. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.